You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1215 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday afternoon slash evening. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. As always, check us out every, each and every day on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as our YouTube channel. And uh, we are part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. Today's show will break down what became a nice win for the Hawks, a comfortable win for the most part, as we'll get into later on, 130-114 to 114 on the road against Houston in the regular season finale with the victory. The Hawks finished the season at 43-39, and 39, a little bit below expectations to be sure, but they are still alive in the postseason chase at this point. And if, in fact, officially as I record this on Sunday evening, they will be playing the Charlotte Hornets in the 9-10 matchup of the play-in on Wednesday. Uh, of course, there were some lofty hopes for the Hawks. Uh, they were sort of tied to other teams, however, and the Brooklyn Nets and Charlotte Hornets, sorry, and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Charlotte Hornets, all three of those teams won their games on Sunday. Not surprising, but certainly uh, some faint hope that kind of was dashed for the Hawks. Along the way, by the way, Trey Young clinched the NBA lead in both total points and total assists in the same season. A remarkable performance from Trey from wire to wire, really, this year. As I said before, the Hawks were actually in a little bit of trouble late in this game, up by only seven points with nine minutes to go against a team that was uh, not necessarily playing its best basketball in Houston. But from there, an 11-0 run by the Hawks, and that was that. And they were able to sort of cruise control their way to a victory. So as we always do in the podcast, I'm sure we have some new listeners coming this time of year with the playing on the horizon. But what we do here, I'll give you some context for this game, both from pregame standpoint as well as what happened during the game, some game flow, my own analysis, some takeaways, et cetera, some player evaluations later on in the podcast. At the end of the show today, we'll talk about the play-in, how we all got here, and also what the uh, outlook is for the Hawks as they have a couple days now to uh, regroup before a home game against Charlotte on Wednesday. So coming into the day, the NBA scheduled all four games that mattered to the Hawks at the same time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. The Cavs, Nets, and Hornets were all playing. So it wasn't the, the Hawks didn't have any information. Um, they just kind of had to win because, you know, at the very least, they could have gotten to eight if they got some help, and they could have fallen to ten if they were to lose. Um, but certainly there was some flexibility. That, you know, number seven was off the table once the uh, results happened earlier this weekend. But the Hawks did have some chances to get to number eight. They just had to have Cleveland lose. That was a big one. And Milwaukee did them no favors, as we could touch on later on if we wanted to. But basically, old pal Mike Budenholzer, as I sort of talked about a little bit on Friday, I thought this, this might happen. The Bucks kind of pulled the plug on their guys, um, and Cleveland was able to play with the zombie Bucks and win to uh, keep the uh, to keep salt in the top eight. So. Um, as for the game itself for the Hawks, Houston lost their last seven games of the season. Pretty bad team, obviously. Um, bad record, bad point differential. Also shorthanded, but missing a bunch of guys. Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, Will Pop Dennis Schroeder, among the guys who were absent for the Rockets in this game. Also, their bottom five above the floor. Second worst defense. That was definitely evident throughout this one. The Hawks got whatever they want on offense for the majority of the game. As for Atlanta's injuries, Bogdanovich was probable again, ended up playing. Lou Williams missed another game. He's, he's missed six of the last 11 for the Hawks with a lingering back issue. Uh, I'll be interested to see if he actually ends up playing uh, on Wednesday, but we'll, keep, we'll see, it, see that at that point in time. And then John Collins is still out. Still no update. I'm sure the Hawks will be asked about this in the next two days. Um, I still have to assume that John will not play on Wednesday until I'm told otherwise, but he certainly has not been ruled out. So we'll keep an eye on that in the near future. And this is not an injury, but it's actually just worth noting that Click Capella had never played in Houston 
as a member of the opposing team ever. He, of course, he started his career with the Rockets. And then last year, it was the last game of the season as well. And he did not play because it didn't mean anything to the Hawks. And of course, he was traded more than two years ago. He's never played in Houston. So that was kind of a weird one. He was actually quite good in this game. It's sort of a weird piece of trivia along the way. Uh, our friends at Bet Online, who sponsored this podcast, had the Hawks as 12 point favorites, which they were able to co- cover narrowly. That kind of tells you, uh, in fact, all four games involving the teams that the Hawks were competing with, including themselves were favored by at least eight and a half points. Not a whole lot of drama along the way, at least according to the preseason, the pregame stuff, I should say. The Hawks went on a 7-0 run early in the contest. They scored 11 points in their first six possessions to take an early lead. That was a microcosm of what was to come for the Hawks offensively. In fact, they did that without Trey taking a shot in the first, like, five minutes of the game. Uh, Trey, Trey was being trapped by, by the Rockets, which gave the Hawks some good reps against that kind of defense. He, had, he did have three assists early on. Uh, Trey did absolutely blow by Garrison Matthews for a bucket for his first shot attempt. That was, like, five minutes in to force a timeout. The Hawks did push it up to 28-15 to 15 in the first eight minutes or so, going up by double digits and also just scoring at will. They uh, were hot from three. They had nine assists in eight minutes, um, just kind of scalding all across the board. I'll say this now, probably again later. Houston's defense was consistently breaking down in this game. Obviously, some credit to the Hawks because the Hawks are very good at offense, top three in the league, really wire to wire this year. But Alperin Shangun, the talented rookie center from the Rockets, is just had no chance of defense, to be honest with you, at this point in time. He was not alone, but they just uh, definitely went after him a bunch to some uh, significant success along the way. Capella had 10 points and five, five rebounds in his first eight minutes in his old stopping grounds. I, also, I actually thought that Capella got a second foul early in the, first, in the first quarter. In fact, I was wondering why he didn't come out of the game because usually Nate will pull him if he has two fouls pretty quickly, but they charged one of them to somebody else. So he was able to stay in for his usual stint and played pretty well. In fact, it was a 21-6 to overall run by the Hawks to go up by 17 points, and they never trailed again from there. Uh, they were certainly not in total control the entire way, but uh, they were definitely in control for the most part after that. The rotation was similar to what it's been recently. Bogdanovich, Akangwu, and DeLon Wright as the core pieces. Uh, TLC played in the first half and then played garbage time. So he was sort of the ninth guy in the first half. They played eight guys really before the game was out of hand in the second half of this game without Lou Williams, of course, and without John Collins. The Rockets had a couple of nice runs, though, along the way. They had an 8-0 run late in the first quarter when the Hawks turned the, turned the ball over twice in a row. Hawks were still up by 11, though, at the end of the first period. They scored about 1.5 points per possession in that quarter. That's pretty significant. 11 assists, of course. They shot, they shot the heck out of the ball the entire game. One point of interest, actually, in this one is that the Rockets came into the night as the team that was worst in the NBA by a pretty wide margin in turnover rate on offense. They have all kinds of ball security issues. But in this game, the Rockets only turned the ball over eight times. So now... That's part of, part of this, the Hawks. The Hawks are pretty conservative defensively. In fact, the Hawks, um, even when they were pretty good last year and at times this year, uh, they don't really force turnovers. But at the same time, that was uh, kind of led Houston's offense to be a, uh, better than usual, let's just say, in this game. It was the bench plus Gallo in the second quarter, tipping they down on Friday. And the Hawks did lead by 19 points, actually, early in the second quarter. They were 8 of 12 from 3 at that point in the first 16 minutes of the game. Again, I can't kind of express how bad Houston was defensively, but the Hawks were still making shots, which is, of course, crucial to their success. There was a very funny moment along the way. Jason Tate, who's actually a good player, a good supporting sort of role player, um, actually lost the ball and missed a layup about as badly as an NBA player can miss a layup. That was kind of funny to see. Um, Houston did score on the possession, so it didn't, really hurt, it didn't really hurt them. It was kind of funny to watch that. Um, the Hawks had a little bit of struggle mid-quarter, going, uh, having the lead go down to 11 until Trey and Clint came back in. And the Hawks really went on, off, on defense, I should say, in the second quarter. In fact, that was the worst quarter of the game defensively. Um, maybe Miller mentioned that after the game, kind of as their one sort of dip 
And I think I think on defense the entire game was not very good, particularly late in the second quarter. It was uh, it was not pretty stuff defensively for Atlanta. Some breakdowns, some protection issues, um, rotational issues, on ball stuff just across the board, kind of a kind of a flat line from the defense. Um, they were up fourteen though at the halftime break because Trey and Gallo hit threes in the final minutes. Uh, the Hawks shot the heck out of the ball in the first half. Um, they scored seventy three points, eleven of eighteen from three, sixty two percent from the floor, nineteen assists, five turnovers. Gallo had eighteen points on eight shots in the first half. That's tough to do. He was four four from three. Trey at 16 and 8 before halftime. All five starters were double figures before the halftime break. That's pretty tough to do, honestly. Um, and then defensively, it was pretty bad, as I said before, a 123 defensive rating in the first half. That is very bad against anyone, much less a bad offense in Houston. Um, I mentioned before the two turnovers in the first half for the, for the Rockets, only six in the second half as well, but it wasn't like it was uh, all that pretty along the way. The Rockets also got up a ton of threes and made 37% of them. Uh, they were certainly uh, struggling a little bit uh, defensively. The Hawks were along the way. But alas, um, as I said before, they never trailed in the second half. We'll get into all of what transpired there, sort of zoom through what transpired sort of in the back and forth, and we'll get into some broader uh, takeaways, let's just say. But from there, we will uh, dive in. And But before we get to that, though, I should say a word from our sponsors on podcast today. I'm going to try to eat right this year. I'm having a lot of success with it because of Built Bar, because Built Bar makes it a lot easier for me to eat right, because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars from the protein-infused puff bars. They're fantastic to all the other fan favorites from Built Bar. Each and every bar has 100% real chocolate. That makes a huge difference both in taste and texture. And on top of the taste, Built Bars are low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars both in taste and to improve your nutrition overall. Built.com has all the answers for you in terms of how to get Built Bars and nutrition around Built Bar. And we blow up by it all because Built Bar actually, at least most of them, have 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a very low calorie count. Built Bar also has longtime flavors like coconut almond. New flavors coming all the time. Please, plus, every single flavor is delicious. I can account for that as having pretty much all of them at this point. I've really enjoyed all of the options, and uh, there are lots of them to choose from. The best way to check out Built Bar is go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 when you get there. If you do that, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, we'll have the second half now of this one. And actually, Houston started off well in the third quarter, a 7-0 run, and the lead was down to 7. That happened a few times. In fact, it was kind of a ping-pong thing going on. The Hawks would go up by like 13 to 15, and then the Rockets would get down to 7 or 8 or 9. And it happened really the entire second half until the Hawks broke it open in the fourth quarter. The Hawks didn't score in their first five possessions of the third quarter and didn't score for almost three minutes. A couple of bad quick shots. Uh, it was like they were just, were just not ready to play, honestly, coming out of the locker room. I don't really – I mean, I guess I do blame them some on some level. The game felt over at halftime, but it wasn't over, and the Hawks definitely felt like, sort of played like, they, like, like it was. They got, they got going from there. 100 made a couple shots, a couple threes. Uh, actually shot the ball very well from three-point range in this game. They had, had trouble getting stops, though, along the way. Miller got a couple timeouts. Uh, he had one that he actually challenged a play a few minutes later and lost that challenge. And the Rockets then scored seven points in a row again. It's back to a six-point game. The Hawks were only, only up six with 16, 16 minutes to go. It got back to a 13 and then back to eight, back to 13, back to eight, that kind of thing. Uh, like I was saying before, ping-pong motion back and forth there. And the Hawks were up by 11 at the end of the third quarter. But defensively, it was better than the third quarter. Uh, sorry, but in the second quarter, it was by a little bit. But still pretty ugly, and the offense was much worse. They had their worst offensive quarter of the game in the third just because of the slow start. And I will say they still scored pretty comfortably well in the third quarter. It just wasn't quite as dominant, and the defense was really a problem in the, in the middle portion of this game overall. I will say defensively, the Hawks did one thing well in this game throughout. It was defensive rebound, which has been a problem at times this year, but that was not a problem in this game. They kept the Rockets off the glass very effectively, no matter who's on the floor, which is good to see from Atlanta, especially with the second, with the second unit. But the Hawks were uh, scoring at will. They had 16 threes in the first three quarters. They had four guys with at least 17 points 
through three in this game. That is uh, pretty crazy. He had about a 140 offensive rating at that point. And Houston did start well in the fourth again, getting back down to seven. I'm sure if you watch this game, it was not it was not a shock to you. But if you're watching the Masters or something else, uh, it was a lot of back and forth in the fourth in the second half of this one. But the Hawks had their big run. So the Hawks were down. Oh, sorry, the Hawks were up by only seven with nine minutes to go. And I kind of circled that just to say, look, this is a real game with nine minutes left. But out of a timeout, the Hawks scored the next 11 points, and it was over from there. Right in the Congo had nice blocks in that stretch. Probably the best defensive stretch of the game overall from Atlanta. Maybe the early portions as well, but that was a, kind of a big key stretch defensively. And then Bogey hit two threes, a three from Gallo, and they were uh, off and running. They were up by 23 at one point in the fourth quarter, and uh, it settled in. It was never actually uh, in doubt down the stretch. In fact, I thought Nate rode guys a little bit too far in the uh, fourth quarter guys like Trey, uh, although Capella didn't play, which is good. Uh, but Trey as durable, as durable as he is, didn't need to play till two minutes left. They had, they had the guys out there being, uh, I understand that's kind of just Nate being Nate, but uh, waited a little bit too long for that in my mind. But with two minutes to go, they emptied the bench and uh, it was guys like Sharif and Skyler and Jalen Johnson playing. And uh, just for Sharif, by the way, that'll be his last out- action of the season. He's not eligible for the playoffs because he's on a two-way contract. So uh, Sharif, that'll be it for him this year. And then we'll see him again at Summer League, I would imagine. Um, but in the meantime, some takeaways from this game overall. Offensively, it really was dominant. Uh, even when you account for Houston being quite bad defensively, and I don't want to say that just to, to belittle the Hawks or pick on the Rockets, but just for context, like you need to know how bad Rock- Houston is defensively. They're very bad, and they were very bad in this game. With that said, the Hawks still shot the ball incredibly well. In fact, they were 49% on twos. That is below their average. It's below the league average. It was a, it's just a bad two-point showing overall. But the reason why they were able to score so many points was they were 21 of 38 from three. That would be a franchise record for a lot of teams. Uh, and it was not the one for the Hawks, but uh, that is that is the deal there. And the Hawks, uh, you know, <laughs> shot take out of the ball. In fact, it was their season high for percentage, 55% from three in this game. Uh, they were lighting it up. Again, a lot of those were open, but they made them all. Um, in fact, I'm looking at the box score now. I believe, yeah, five different guys made at least three threes. Uh, it was Herter, Bogdanovich, Young, Hunter, and Gallo made at least three threes each. That's a ton of production from everybody across the board, and uh, they capitalized that. Uh, 29 assists was very, very good. 13 turnovers is actually a little bit more than the Hawks' average, but it's still a good ratio overall with the assists being as high as they were. And then the offensive glass, they actually got 13 offensive rebounds in this game to kind of boost their efficiency overall, and that was uh, helpful to boost the offense. Um, defensively, they only, only I say, uh, a 118 defensive rating that was actually better in the, because the fourth quarter was better. Still pretty bad against the Rockets, given what they are, but uh, still better when they actually needed it to be in the fourth quarter. Uh, not a whole lot of positives in this one. Houston shot the ball pretty well. On the whole, a 58% true shooting mark for Houston, that's well above their average. And only eight turnovers, that's also well above their average. But the Hawks did a good job on the defensive glass. In fact, the Rockets only got six offensive rebounds on 48 missed shots. That is an elite job on the glass from the Hawks, which was certainly helped uh, to, to sort of uh, boost the overall pr- production in this game. So taking a step back, we'll get into the player evaluations in a moment. But as far as the game is concerned, this is one where even Nate McMillan said this in pregame, said it again to Lauren Jabara um, on the on the broadcast. Uh, this is a taking care of business game for the Hawks. If they had been, uh, this is what I said before the game, it's just to put it plainly, is that if the Hawks had lost this game, it would have been an absolute disaster, basically. Uh, I never make anything a guarantee. Uh, I, I refuse to, even in like people replying to me on Twitter, I would not say the Hawks were going to win this game because look, I said this a lot of times this year. I'll say it again one, one more time now as we get into sort of the play and stuff. Nothing is assured in the NBA. You know, the Hawks have been bad on the road this year. The Rockets took the Raptors to the brink earlier this week. Like, I thought the Hawks were going to win pretty comfortably in this game, and they certainly should have won, and they definitely did by the end of this game. But nothing was assured, and they had to go out and win it, and they ended up playing well enough defensively, and they played really well on offense, and they escaped with the win. 
as a result of that. But certainly not a game that you can really learn too much from. Again, kudos to Trey Young. We'll get back to it in a second for the player stuff because he, you know, cannot be overstated how crazy it is to lead the NBA in both total points and total assists. That's durability. That's production. He was efficient. All that fun stuff. We'll come back to that, but just kind of remarkable stuff there. And again, 43 and 39 from the Hawks this season. That's below their production in, in terms of what it was projected. The early over-unders last year were 46 and a half or so. I actually like them to win even more than that. But even if you were a more pessimistic Hawks fan, I don't think I saw really anybody picking them to win 43 games, even people that didn't love them this year. So an underachieving season in a lot of ways, and that's, I guess, the punishment for that, and we'll get into it in a second, is that the Hawks now have to win two times just to reach the playoffs. That is uh, not a not a uh, easy thing to do as far as a hill to climb in the next few days. But at the end of the day, they won enough down the stretch to at least get into the play-in. They'll have a home game, at least one home game. They only have one guaranteed in the play-in. But uh, we'll get into all that stuff later on. But that's sort of context here at the end of the podcast. Then before we get to the player evaluations and a look ahead at the play-in, because it's coming, Fast and Furious, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Baseball is in full swing now, and of course, the NBA playoffs are on the horizon, but the best teams in the league that take the floor over the next few months. That includes the Hawks this week with the play-in festivities. And with that in mind, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, futures, player props, exotics, and much more. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest developments in sports, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. Of course, not just baseball or basketball either. They have bet online all the wagering information that you possibly want, including live betting and your favorite casino games, and other sports are involved as well. That includes golf and esports, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, MMA, hockey, boxing, soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and much more. And future stuff is always in the market, both in baseball with the season just getting underway, and also the NBA with the playoffs now, of course, coming fast and furious with Easter Conference props, full season props, title props, all that fun stuff. Head to the website right now. BetOnline.net on your computer or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, we'll get to the starters and the bench stuff as we do here. I'll probably fly through this a little bit faster than usual because it was a uh, the game was not hugely significant because they just won it and that was kind of all there is. But the bench guys who played real minutes, uh, TLC played seven minutes, just kind of a non-factor, didn't do too much on either side of the floor. It was fine overall, but just not a huge factor. DeLon Wright didn't, only took one shot, but had three assists and a steal, two rebounds, plus, plus 12 was fine, played well. Uh, Bogey was one of five on twos, but four of nine on threes. So you'll take that all day long, 14 points. Um, actually, it was 0-3 at the line, which is bizarre for Bogey to have that happen. But seven assists, second only to Trey, six rebounds, two steals. But he played well, just didn't have his uh, two-point shot, and his free throw shooting was weird in this game. I kind of a funny bad layup that Bogey is. It's a reminder that Bogey doesn't take a lot of layups. He's more of a, uh, a jump shooter, obviously, at this point in his career. Uh, Akongo played well. I thought eight, eight points, nine rebounds, had a block. Um, did have five fouls in 23 minutes, which has been a problem for him all year long, but uh, was pretty good when he was out there on both ends of the floor. Uh, to the starters, Kevin Herter, I thought was fine. 11 points on eight shots, five assists, five rebounds, a nice balanced game from Kevin. Made, made a few jumpers, only one of two on twos, didn't get to the line, but I thought he was a, sort of a B-plus kind of game overall. Uh, Gallo was unconscious in the first half, ended up with 26 points, uh, second on the team on only f- 15 shooting possessions. That's an incredible ratio for anyone. So when he's when he's making threes, uh, he's tough to guard and tough to stop overall. He's efficient usually anyway. Uh, defensively, he gave a lot of that back, which kind of leads to him having the, the worst plus minus of the starters in this game. But I thought he played well on offense, and uh, that's all you can really ask of him at this point in time. Hunter had a weird game. Uh, I've been picking on him a little bit, not intentionally. I, I've been accused recently of kind of going a little bit too hard at Hunter. I don't think I've even gone hard enough at times, but um, it was a mixed bag game for Hunter. On the bright side, I want to start there and make sure I emphasize this. He shot the heck out of the ball. He was 4-4 four four from three. Now, 
The problem right now for Hunter is that he really needs to shoot well from three or he's not giving them much on offense at all. He's had some bad games recently where he couldn't make three. So if you're looking at him for the playoffs in particular, I think right now he is best suited as almost a pure catch-and-shoot guy. I know the theory of Hunter is that he can put them on the, on the floor a little bit, attack the rim a little bit. And he was better late in this game than he was early in this game. But he was still three of nine on, on twos in this one. He got to the line for five attempts. That's pretty good. But uh, a mixed bag game in that he, yes, he had 22 points, and that's obviously a good number. But really, it was only three-point shooting that he did. He had two rebounds in 33 minutes. He had no assists. He had two turnovers, no steals, no blocks, just kind of out there for the most part. But made threes. Now, again, I'm not saying he played poorly because of that. Uh, the threes matter. You have to make them, even if they're open. Not everybody can do that. And I do think at this point in time, we can rely on Hunter as people that are evaluating the team from the outside to be a guy who makes enough threes. For his career, he's 35.5%. This year, it's about 37%. Um, I buy that. I think he's a high 33-point shooter. The problem is that inside the arc, he's been pretty shaky, let's just say, to be nice this year. And then defensively, he's been okay, but doesn't give you a lot on the glass, all that stuff. So the Hawks need more from Hunter. If they're going to make a run that the Hawks fans want them to make, he needs to play better than he's been playing and that includes today. Like Obviously, he shot the ball well today, and that is needed. But in his floor game overall, rebounding, assists, defense, he's got to be better than he's been. So uh, that's uh, sort of something to circle as we look ahead to the rest of the week, and hopefully, if you're a Hawks fan, into the playoffs against Miami. Elsewhere, Clint Capella was really good in this one, 18.13 rebounds in his return to Houston, two blocks, a steal, 7-10 from the floor, 4-4 four, four from the line. Not often that Capella goes 4-4 four four from the line and Bogey goes over 3. That never happens. Uh, in fact, the Hawks only missed 5 free throw attempts in this game and Bogey missed 3 of them. <laughs> it's just a weird game overall, but I thought Clint was awesome in limited time. And fortunately for them, he didn't have to come back in the game in the fourth quarter, which gives him some time to uh, sort of get, get healthier, get rested. All these guys, you know, the, that's the one benefit of playing on Wednesday is that the, for the first game, you are a little bit more well-rested and the Hawks would be home for two days in, the fourth, in between there. The punishment, though, is that the 7-8 game in the East is on Tuesday and the 9-10 game is on Wednesday. So if you win the 9-10, you have a rest disadvantage and you have to go on the road against, against whoever loses the 7-8 game. So that's sort of a way that they may build that in to kind of punish the 9-10, and that makes sense, honestly, because they, they haven't earned it at this point in the season. Lastly, Trey Young. I said it before. I'll say it again. Trey Young has been unbelievable this season. I think the national conversation of Trey Young has been far too low on him. I think he should be an absolute lock. For all NBA, I don't know if he actually is going to make it or if he's, he's definitely not a lock if you go through the sort of straw polls, people that actually vote for the award. But I think he should be a lock. In fact, I think he should be on the second team, if not the first team. I think he should be the actual first team candidate at this point in time. That's how good he's been this year. But 28 points, 11 assists, five rebounds. He led the NBA. Unless Jason Tatum has like 120 points tonight. He led the NBA in points and assists. The first time and the only time in NBA history other than Tony Arch Tiny Archibald in the early 70s. So it's been 40 plus years since anybody's done this, and he's the second person ever to do it. Now, he did not leave the league in points per game or assists per game, so I'm sure people won't necessarily notice that nationally. But again, total points, total assists, I think is even almost more impressive because you, that means you played a lot. It means you gave your team the value of playing as much as he did. And uh, heading into the day, the only debate was whether he was going to leave the league in points, but then DeMar DeRozan ended up being listed as out for rest. So uh, he was the only guy that could really realistically catch Trey, and then Trey had a good game anyway, so I don't think it would have mattered too, too much. And also along the way, last thing on Trey and the players is that Trey set the franchise record, again, the franchise record for the Hawks for threes in the season, passing Mookie Blaylock, by the way. Most teams in the modern NBA, because the three-point revolution has happened in the last you know, five, ten years, 
have their record holders in recent times. Now the Hawks finally do. It was kind of crazy. The Hawks three-point leader for a season was Mookie for almost 30 years. <laughs> kind of crazy that actually happened. But now Trey holds that, and that's that's fitting as the uh, best perimeter shooter slash scorer in, in franchise history. Obviously, him and Dominique are on the Mount Rushmore along with Bob Pettit and whoever else in franchise history. But uh, the Hawks now, uh, obviously, ridiculous stuff from Trey. And uh, I'll leave it there. One more time, all NBA. Uh, I, I thought it was funny that Hawks PR, uh, people listen to this podcast from Hawks PR. Hi, guys. Uh, took to calling him Trey, uh, <laughs> Trey all NBA or whatever it was, all NBA Trey or whatever he was, whatever they're saying about Trey Young. Uh, he's it's fitting. I think he's gonna. I think he should get it. I don't know if he will. We'll come back to that later on as far as, far as maybe an offseason story when the voting is actually released. But uh, final plea: if you are uh, a voter, <laughs> I think Trey. I'm not an advocate. Like I'm not someone who's going to go out of my way to, tr- to sort of launch a campaign. But objectively, as someone who, who does not vote but wishes they would and could at some point in the future, Trey should be all NBA. We'll leave it there. Okay. Last thing on today's show. It's, of course, the look ahead and standings and all that stuff. If people were paying attention to this, it was a topic all day long on the broadcast, before the game, Twitter, all that stuff. But the final standings in the East are as follows. The Nets and Cavs tie for 7-8 and eight at 44 and – sorry, 44-38. and 38. The Nets have the 7 seed, Cavs the 8 seed uh, because the Cavs won today. So are the Nets. The Hawks finish at 43-39 and 39 in a tie with the Hornets, but they have the tiebreaker against Charlotte, so they finish ahead of Charlotte. So it's Nets 7, Cavs 8, Hawks 9, and Hornets 10. And the Hawks will play the Hornets on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, before I look at that game quickly, one thing to note, it was kind of a newsy thing. I don't want to start with it because it was not that big of a deal. But Shawnee Brown, who played at Michigan in Wake Forest and was also on the Hawks roster earlier this season, got signed to a two-way over the weekend by the Hawks. That was basically a move for next year, it looks like, because obviously guys on two-ways are not eligible for the playoffs. But they had the spot open with uh, the promotion of Skylar Mays. So I thought that was a reasonable move, and we'll look at that for next year. But at least wanted to mention that out loud because it happened between podcasts. Okay, last thing. Again, Wednesday, 7 p.m., State Farm Arena, Hawks, Hornets, in the 9-10. If they win, the season continues. If they lose, that's it for the Hawks. That's the trouble with this is that it's a one and done. And as I said before, if you have one bad night, you can be out of the be out of the tournament. And that's what's going to happen here if the Hawks don't play well on Wednesday. But if they win it, they will go on to face the loser of the Nets-Cavs game on Friday. That game will be on the road no matter what. It'll be either in Brooklyn or in Cleveland if it is the Hawks or if it is the Hornets. Um, and just as a reminder, Miami clinched the number one seed overall. And for the Hawks, they cannot get anything beyond the eighth seed. So even if they get out of the play and they'll be the eighth seed, that means their goal now is to play Miami in the first round. And, of course, they were just there a couple of days ago. So that's all of what's going to be coming. We'll have at least one podcast, probably two in between now in the play-in. So I'm not going to just do all my preview stuff now. But the early line at Bet Online is the Hawks as four-and-a-half-point favorites as ever recorded on Sunday. So at home, the Hawks have been really good this year. On the road, they have not been really good this year. But as a reminder to any new listeners or more casual listeners that I might be jumping on the bandwagon now, the Hawks are 19 and three in their last 22 at home. They're 27 and 14 in home games this year. That is uh, just to, just to put it in context. That's better than Philadelphia was at home this year. That's better than Toronto was at home this year. That's better than Brooklyn. It's better than Cleveland. And it's the same record as uh, Milwaukee was at home this year and Chicago was at home this year. Only worse than Miami and Boston of the Eastern Conference teams. On the road, different story. So obviously Friday, if they get there, they'll be underdogs almost certainly because the Hawks have been pretty bad on the road this year. But that's the one thing about getting in the nine seed. And I think I maybe even overstressed this, but the, that was really important the Hawks get the nine seed because they get to go home now, prepare, and then host a team in the Hornets that's decent on the road. 
Actually, they're actually 21 and 20 on the road this year, but the Hawks will be favored barring some weird injury stuff. Even if Collins doesn't play, as long as Trey's out there and Capella's out there and the core guys are out there, the Hawks are going to be favored by tip off against Charlotte. We'll get into all of that stuff later on the week, but that's the next thing on the agenda for the Hawks. Circle down your calendars Wednesday, 7 p.m., national TV game, and we'll get into all of that when it comes. Okay. All that said, that'll be it for the regular season. Another uh, podcast season in the books. Uh, as a reminder, I started this podcast before the 2016-17 season. So this is a this is the number six full season of this podcast. I've been covering the Hawks for, I believe it's 11 full seasons now. It's been a long, long time. And I appreciate people joining the podcast uh, from day one, some of you. Thank you for, that's crazy, but thank you for doing that. Uh, more than 1,200 episodes along the way. But this podcast does not go anywhere in the playoffs or it does not go anywhere in the offseason. Some podcasts slow down or, uh, you know, eject in the offseason. Obviously, we're not going to do a podcast five days a week in the offseason, but certainly three days a week-ish most of the time on the NBA draft and free agency and all that stuff. So even if the Hawks were to get out of the uh, play-in mix in the next couple of days, we're not going anywhere. It's a great time to subscribe to the show. So please go ahead and do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or also YouTube, where you can watch me right now in a hotel room. I'm on the road, so that's kind of the nature of the beast right now. But uh, thank you for listening to the show, everybody. Please, please, please subscribe. Check us out on Twitter as well, at Locked on Hawks. Check me out on Twitter if you'd like to, at BT Roland. And we'll see you next time.